Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode number 84. <laughs> coming in back. hot, Tom. That was coming in hot, Am I man. Coming in hot? Yeah. I say Neil and I You're very Neil excited. And I are back. <laughs> Neil and I are back from uh, storming the Capitol. Our uh, <laughs> red, white, and blue G-strings have been sent off to the cleaners. So Wow. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course, but obviously it's, it's man what a crazy week, huh, Neil? Yeah, it's been a cra- it's been a long fucking week, man. Talk about first week back at work after uh, after Christmas break and stuff. Man, it's been a long week. Holy well, shit! You know the funny funny thing is, so we're done with work now. Yes, obviously. And I am. Oh, so anyway, of course you can get a hold of us, Punk Till I Die seventy seven at Gmail or Punk Till I Die podcast on Facebook. Um, and uh, work is done. I'm sitting here with a nice uh, tall gin and tonic, as I'm sure you are. And I got two beers. Beer double fist in it tonight there you go yeah and but unfortunately we're gonna have to be on our best behavior tonight i think we are <laughs> i'm gonna let you explain why that is <laughs> well we have a we have a guest tonight and uh yeah i'm super excited um so we actually have on the show tonight we have roxy epoxy from originally from the epoxies but now from faux replica say say hi roxy Hi, everybody. And yeah, you don't need to put down your gin and tonics just because I stopped drinking doesn't mean that you can't partake. I have no judgment there. Oh, that's good. That's good. If there's one thing we don't like, it's being judged. No. But it, um, but no, I was just Everybody gonna... loves being judged. People you know, love it. They're, they're so cool about it. Exactly. Well, the, the funny thing is, you know, we, we this. This podcast, we've talked to a lot of people from different generations of punk rock, but you are actually breaking the glass ceiling for us because we pretty we've always talked to dudes. So it, in a way, <laughs> yes. this is actually a very a very special episode. Yes, it's a very special yeah. punk till I die. Yes, <laughs> that actually makes me really really happy, and um, it, it's interesting because I haven't done an interview about music in, in years, and and then you guys popped up, and an old Portland friend popped up. He's been doing podcasts. Um, he's based in Amsterdam now, and he came up with like a bunch of female oriented rock questions. And it just keeps getting more interesting in that sense. So I'm um, I'm happy to hear that I'm your first female guest. You are. We've had a we've had a ton of male guests over the years. Over the years, listen to me. We've been doing this 15 months. <laughs> and it's fun for the months. Yeah, there you go. Because I don't know that we have really any female like specific questions. Do we? Maybe you do. <laughs> what I, you, I, what I, do you mean female specific that, questions? What would that mean? <laughs> Well, just weirdo. When we first started, when we first started doing this, and we started interviewing people, we'd get real nervous, and we'd always have like, I'd always try to have like a list of questions. But man, when was the last time you actually wrote a question, Neil? Now it's just kind of shoot from the hip, right? Uh, kinda, yeah. And those goes the best because if you start to go to like a list of questions, it can get really stilted, right? That's true. So yeah. Neil, I tell you what, why don't you? I'm gonna let you take the lead on this because you you know much more about the band than I do. I'm kind of like cramming, trying to catch up for some reason. They kind of got away from me and the, I know why they did actually. Cause that was around the time I was having kids and I had little tiny kids around the house. So my mm-hmm. new music intake was pretty limited. My kind of lost decade there between 2000 and 2010. So why don't you go ahead and I don't know if you want to start at the beginning or where you want to, where you want to start with her, but I'm going to let, I'm going to hand you the mic. <laughs> okay. <as they> say. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the beginning. Tell us about your childhood, Roxy. Um, yeah, exactly. No, you. <laughs> I had a bowl cut and I hated it. There you yeah, go. Me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I was, I was big in the 70s. Um, so you're from the East Coast originally, right? 
Yes, and I am back on the East Coast. So at this point, I am a little over of living half my life on the East Coast since I'm adding that time up again. And um, right when I moved back here, I was pretty much exactly 50-50 East Coast, West Coast. Okay, cool. So um, were you in bands like when you were still on the East Coast, or did everything happen after you moved out West? (laughs) Um, if you count a band that I was in with, um, FM Static, who I met in school on the East Coast, a one, two song or three song show that we did in college, and we called ourselves Rainbow Bright and the Assholes, if we count that, then yes, um, but generally I would say that's a no. Okay. That's too bad. I bet you we don't have a Rainbow, Rainbow Bright and the Assholes song to play, do we? No, we don't, unfortunately. I, unless Roxy can send me one, uh, that probably, would be excellent. Probably, probably fortunate. Probably very fortunate. <laughs> so, um, well, FM Static was actually in the epoxies, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I am also using his stage name since you decided to use mine. <laughs> um, but I, I met him um, at college, East Coast. He's from Portland. He moved back there and wanted to start a boyfriend, so I moved out there with my college boyfriend who was in the automatics with FM Static, and FM went by his regular name, Jesse, in that band. And um, so that's kind of a little history of that connection right there. Tom, are you, are, you, are you aware of the automatics, Tom? Because I actually have a CD by those guys. I didn't... I know the name, but I'm not. I don't know that I'm familiar with them. So did you? So you didn't move to the West Coast specifically to play in a band, or you did? No, I I was in the middle of college, and when you're in your, as we all may or may not remember, I mean, maybe we drank too much and blocked it all out, but when you're in your late teens and early 20s and you're trying to just figure out who the fuck you are, um, running across the country sounds like a good idea, but of course you realize that you come with yourself. So it was more of that kind of move. I, I took a year off from undergrad and lived out there and then actually did return to finish. So all my schooling's been out here in um, New England. But um, then I returned and I was out there for until uh, 2016. So I moved out there in 94 to 95, came back here 95, 96, moved back out there in 96 and left in 2016. Hmm. Yeah, it's actually interesting because I had a ton of friends I knew in, in college down at U of I um, who all moved out to Portland in the late 80s, early 90s. So it seemed like everybody was moving out to Portland for a while. It seemed like the hip place to be for some reason. Yeah, oh, it was awesome for, yeah. for a long time. Um, it started kind of changing about 10 years ago and became the place where everyone's moving again, but it was more California, p- people who couldn't afford the houses there anymore. And I haven't been there in three years, but it was just like so many cities just turning into condo land. The cost of living went up so much that people can't afford to live in the city anymore it's just it just turned into every place else it's just um, yeah. like boxed city but the 90s and through i'd say even 2010 it was awesome there was a ton of bands out there in that time right absolutely absolutely ton 
Now, oh, what, yeah. Were the briefs from there, or were they from Seattle? They're Seattle. Okay. So who who was who, who was some of your favorite bands out there back then? Portland. Um. The when Epoxy started in two thousand and and for several years after that and 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 uh, Seattle and Portland in the music sense mm-hmm. were bro- brother cities. It was just all this great stuff going on, and it basically seemed like everyone suddenly just have the had this creative purge that needed to happen so there was the briefs there was the spits going on there were who were still together even though back then they broke up every couple weeks they originally still do that, originally from sure. originally from michigan i believe they're back in michigan as a matter of fact i was that right i've lost track of exactly where they are but they are from kalamazoo yep kalamazoo michigan yeah i think they're back because i know they've nah, it doesn't matter i know they're working on an album too but anyway sorry go ahead I digress. No problem. Um, and so those were all dirt nap bands, as were the Mines. They were from Portland. Oh, God. Who the, there was Electric Eye. There was, of course, uh, the Exploding Hearts. Um, the Punk Group. Uh, if you've never heard them, it's a, it's a kind of a comedy two-piece. Hmm. Um, there, there's old interviews where it... it, it I keep saying that it, people will ask what we would listen to and what's good in the area, and people would always say, and we like punk groups. Like, no, I'm telling you, it's a band called the Punk Group. <laughs> but, um, there was just so much going on, and you could go out and and come across people that you know, and it was, yeah, I, I'm a... I, yes, I, I can be a total asshole if I want to be, but I'm generally a nice person, and there were you know, not people that I was not psyched to run into, and there's always great shows going on, and there were good clubs, and people were getting creative and just putting on crazy shows. Uh, there there was the, the riffs were still going on. Oh, the riffs, I remember and, them, yeah, um, I got summoned by those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, that's actually... Who that uh, Amsterdam interview was with was with Tony Mengus, so that'll be happening in about a week and a half. Oh, that's so cool. So, so how far is it by car? Because all you guys are driving in vans, I'm sure, to go back and forth between Seattle and Portland to play shows. How long of a drive is it? It's quite a ways, isn't it? About three hours. But when you're oh, out there so and the states okay. are huge, that's nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, if, when I lived. It, I had lived in Portland long enough at that time to, to have switched from all the states out here are really small, and three hours out here is a nightmare. But when you're over there and you cross the Oregon border and you're heading toward Portland and you you think coming from Massachusetts, oh, we're almost there, but you've got like 500 hours left to drive across one state, <laughs> then uh, three hours is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. It. Yeah. So, so, the, so I was, I was, let's let's put a first song in there, Neil. That's a good mind. idea. Let's put this, and because yeah. I'd like to hear hear how the band got together since she didn't go out to Portland to do the band originally. Sure, um, Roxy, you picked out three epoxy songs. We should we we play should start out with one of them, right? So, uh, which one should we play first? Do you think? Um, and and actually, the, all the songs I picked out, especially from the epoxies, are not the like go to songs. Right, I, I noticed out, that. Um, <laughs> I pulled out my favorites from 
each album. So um, let's go ahead with You, you Kill Me okay. from um, the Stop the Future album. Okay, sounds good. We got You Kill Me by the Epoxies. You Kill Me by the Epoxies. Um, yeah, so how did you get the band together? <laughs> it's kind of a fun story. It's, um, um, so I told you about how I knew Jesse in college and that I moved out there with my ex. Mm-hmm. And they were in a band together. So in late 1999, me and my ex and um, Viz the epoxy guitarist and his girlfriend all went down to Vegas for the Las Vegas grind and um, came, came back from that and she started putting in a um, an installation at a restaurant in town and we were all helping out and Viz and I would go home and <laughs> my ex and his ex were hanging out and more and more and more and um, it ended up both couples broke up and those two got together Uh, what that that was um and 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 they they moved out of town and so i was single you know that's fine and jesse aka fm was suddenly without a band 
and he and Viz started writing songs together. And Viz was saying, okay, everything's cyclical in 20 years. Let's start a new wave band because right now keyboards and new wave are really, really uncool. <clears throat> and, and it was certainly the case. And in Portland, it was a lot of like down and dirty rock and roll. How far can I spread my legs when I play the guitar? But I'm wearing all black and I'm not going to move around too much because that wouldn't be cool. And so they started writing songs together. I ran into FM at a, and I had been talking with uh, Viz here and there because we went through breakups of long-term relationships. And um, I ran into FM at a party and I, he told me what they were doing and I, I, he knew I liked to sing. He also knew I was very, very shy. And I always, it was kind of always a thing in the back of my head, oh, that would be really cool to be in a band, but that the thought of getting on stage is really horrifying and I wanted to challenge myself with that and so I asked if he'd be willing for me to just kind of play around with them and that was the start of the whole thing so we joked that it was a revenge band <laughs> just because of the way the things unfolded well that, I mean wow that worked out really well then I mean so it, it did. It was all the, the fact that we did what we did and apparently made the sort of mark that we did. And, and I was speaking with Neil earlier about how if you're an individual and especially after years pass and you hang out by yourself or around some friends, you have no idea what's going on beyond you. You don't know how far things are going. You don't know who gives a flying fuck. <laughs> so, you know, at the very beginning, it was for me, it was this sounds like fun. I haven't tried it before. I have no idea how to write a song or never been in a band. And, um, it would be neat to do. And then, um, and we started pulling in other people and there was, we just started digging into, okay, well, this is a new wave band. What's that mean? And then you quickly realize it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, well, yeah, there's no. Means you, have a key, means you have a keyboard. Yeah, basically, right? And there's no real boundaries. Yeah. Do whatever the fuck you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but I mean, if you think about bands that were called New Wave, plenty of them didn't have keyboards. That's true. Take me, take me a second to think of one. I guess maybe now we'd call them more of a like like the knack were called new wave they didn't have keyboards that i remember off the top of my head and if they used them it wasn't a main instrument yeah i would say they had the 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 guitars weren't as distorted i think maybe that would be the difference i mean there's new wave there's new wave and new wave i mean there's new wave and new wave right it's a very very broad term i mean shit i'd be looking at more like the rosillos or something like that Um, yeah definitely uh, devo rosillos those are the bands you think of but yeah but yeah you think about the bands that came later you'd call kind of new wavy like maybe like a modern english or a plimsolls or bands like that that had or psychedelic furs. They weren't real yeah. keyboard heavy. They just had kind of a clean guitar, you know, kind of a. But yeah, and definitely. For a while, so, they were called New Wave, and then eventually the word alternative, alternative came yeah. out. Before yeah. that, got bastardized into whatever the hell it Pretty is honest. now. But in the, in the late '80s, I mean, yeah, it was all that stuff. I remember we had WFNX out here, and I would hear all those bands, and uh, I remember hearing like. Julian Cope's uh, Charlotte Ann and uh, 
ministry and you know that was alternative and then somewhere along the line smashing pumpkins came out and ruined everything for us i guess i don't know <laughs> see I, I blame I actually would blame the generation after smashing pumpkins but yeah that it's what, funny how alternative was like <laughs> what we used to call college music college rock mm-hmm. became yeah. Alter- yeah. Some alternative but then once alternative became uh, radio music then it was just like all hard rock was alternative it's like what's in an alternative mm-hmm. to it so yeah, I get you. So how how did you guys get? So was Dirt Nap? You, you put your first record out for Dirt Nap. Were they out there? Were they are they a Northwest label? I don't know where they're out of. Yeah, he was in Seattle at the time and had put out the Briefs record. That's actually a really weird and total luck story as well. And then he moved to Portland and he owned Green Noise Records and now he's in Wisconsin where he grew up. But um, that's right. We Neil and were, I were playing. Go ahead. Neil and I were actually tentatively going to try to go to that festival last year that got canceled. They were having a big dirt nap festival. <laughs> oh, Neil. that's Do right. Remember in Madison? Yep, that's right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Tell us how you hooked up with them. I'm hoping that festival happens. I mean, it's it, it's been talked to be talked about being rescheduled for this year, but it might be kind of on the line with getting to critical mass with the vaccinations. But epoxies were are and are booked to play that. And, I guess um, I didn't realize that. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, headliners marked men who I haven't seen before and are one of my favorites. So I was pretty bummed too. No, I thought I thought but, Mark, um, didn't, didn't marked men become radioactivity or was it the other way around? Uh, yes. Um, I don't remember their names. I only met them a couple times, but, uh, Radioactivity is one of the branch off. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. No problem. (laughs) We're all just getting music information from each other and it's great. But, um, so Epoxy's played their first show in Portland and that went really well for being people showed up they were psyched and then we did did a diy like totally set up a weird set in a basement or jesse's basement in portland and played that show and our second official show ever was in seattle and ken dirtnap went to that show there was hardly anyone there he was going to go to portland to see the briefs play missed the bus and went to Gibson's and saw us play our second official show ever and offers us the seven inch. Oh, so wow. it was just complete. It, so you blew all, away. Any, I, I guess so. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was just complete dumb luck, which, which is the case with any band. Um, no matter how good they are, they've got to have luck in place. And, with actually both labels, Fat and Dirt Nap, it was totally like that in in both cases. It was really weird and and awesome. So how many how many people were in the band at that point? Because I, I mean, I kind of lose track how how many people were on stage sometimes when I saw you guys. Would there be like five? Always, Would there be five people? Always, always five of us. It was five? Um, okay. We 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 switched out our original bass player and and drummer but we've had the same lineup since 2003 so it was a few years with the original and a switch out but 
uh, since we never officially broke up, but we don't really play shows, um, we've had the same lineup for 17 years. That's amazing. Neil. Yeah. Yes, Neil, sir. You lost count on the way to five. I don't ever want to hear any insulting of the American educational system again, okay? Listen, let me tell you, B, B Kitchen was a very small stage, and I was stuck to one side of it, and I couldn't could really see, because it was a bunch of toilet so, paper from fucking the Phenomenauts all over the place. Did you, when you were playing, like, when you're playing, like, your second show, was, I mean, did you already pretty much have your sound down at that point, or was it still... Because it's, you know, sometimes bands get together and they're sort of fully formed when they start. But usually you kind of have to fumble around in the dark to try to find your sound. Do you guys feel, I mean, did you pretty much already have your sound from the get-go? Um, the guys might disagree with me on this one. But as far as I was concerned, we never settled on this is our sound and this is how it needs to be. So <laughs> it, it I'd say at that point... Yes, we had enough songs written to play a show, obviously, but but I think there was more f- figuring it out in the in in the process at that time. <laughs> and and I'm one who, you know, I never want to if if I'm doing music, I never want to know what the sound is going to be. I, and I, and I'm not, maybe I'm not a skilled enough songwriter to do that. The only reason I can write a song is because of technology i i admit i can't play instruments but i can piece stuff together on a computer and then flesh it out from there and then work with people but um but i also know that i would bring songs to the band and they'd say that's not an epoxy song so (laughs) so so why don't you want to stick another song in neil we probably stick another stick another epoxy song in there sure Sure. Roxy, what do you want? Do you want My New World next or Losing Control? Um, let's do My New World, actually. Okay. So, um, this is, well, that's off the My New World EP, right? Came out. Actually, that mm-hmm. was like that was like the last release that you guys had, the last official release, right? Was that like... Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know it was going to be, but it was. Yeah, five-track EP. Okay. So, this is uh, My New World by the Epoxies off the My New World EP.
there, Epoxies with my new world. And that's uh that featured one of the one of the classic things the Epoxies always did. They did a lot of covers. Um they made the songs their own by by any means, but um that one had a Wipers song on it, didn't it? Yep. I think that's our only recording and song we ever did that had no keyboard on it. Okay. Yeah. That, Which song was it, Neil? Which song? Tragedy. Hmm. It was cool, but they, they, but on, on other things, they also covered um, Beat My Guest by uh, Adam and the hmm. Ants, which is actually one of my favorite covers of all time. They do a fantastic hmm. job of that. And they also did a, a cover of uh, Professionals, you know, by uh, the Paul Cook, oh, Steve Jones Sex Band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, did a co- they did a cover of that, funnily enough, which was uh, which actually song really they do? good. They did We Are the Professionals. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But we did so, we did the more of the uh, the what was the name of the band in I'm flicking the name of the movie the the, the movie that that song was in with oh yes the skunks yeah the st- was it we the, did more of that version was that the fabulous stains is that was that the movie thank you yeah. thank you yes that yeah. <laughs> also be the name of the band we did the stain more of the stains version we also did a cover of uh, the jabbers don't talk to me. Oh, I love that. It's out there somewhere. I'm not sure I have a copy of it. It came out on a Dwayne Peters comp release, and I haven't heard it in years. Hmm. So we actually played that, Neil. We played the Gigi Allen Jabbers. That's right. We did. That's right. It's a great, like, power pop song because we... Neil and I go back and forth about Gigi Allen, whether he's a genius or a disgusting, you know, feces flinging <laughs> maniac. But but I'm like, you gotta, listen to his early, you gotta listen to his early stuff, man. He was really good. You know, it was really good, like power pop yeah. kind of music. The Jabbers the Jabbers music was great. I mean, some of the lyrics I I do question, um, and, <laughs> and they are a little bit bit sleazy, and and also you, you read takes on what he was like when he wasn't performing, and he yes he was a heroin addict, and yes he would pee on girls who maybe they wanted to be peed on, maybe they didn't. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but that was that was later, really. You know, that was definitely later. He kind of reinvented his persona. Yeah, I mean, Joe Coy told us he was a big nerd in high school, right? It was funny, yeah. Joe, <laughs> Joe, and Joe said something that I never heard anybody say about Gigi. He said he was a really talented guy. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I never really thought of that. But anyway, I dig. We did. Yeah, you once, never know. Yeah, once again, we. Well, I he mean, just he, he made up that personality. I think I think the Gigi Allen character that came later was sort of a. You know, a stage personality that just kind of caught up with him. But, but yeah, yeah, and I wonder about that too. I mean, I'm certainly familiar with performance art and creation of personalities, and and I respect it. Um, but you hear the stories about violence against yeah anyone who was near. Um, yeah. it, it, it's also interesting to read um, um, Johnny Pukes. Um, and the interview with John and Puke about uh, Gigi's last days and them them hanging out and that Gigi was just trying to get away from the crowd and go back to Johnny's apartment and just chill out and do some drugs. And, you know, he wasn't being violent. And, yeah, he was covered in shit and, <laughs> <laughs> As and, and ultimately overdosed and died. But um, it reading about Johnny's recollection of their interactions, he wasn't being violent with Johnny. It was the stage persona. Yep. That actually sounds, that that actually sounds very similar to Sid's last night. Actually. 
You know? Yes, and yeah, it actually, it does. Yeah. So you guys never considered throwing feces at the audience? Is what you're saying, Roxy? Are you confirming that you never considered that? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really into that. <laughs> I've never tried it. I assume I'm not. I assume I'm not into it either. But you know, I haven't tried it, so I'm going to reserve judgment. No, but like I was saying, with the phenomenons, it wouldn't have mattered because they had a <clears throat> they had a toilet paper gun, which they would fire into the crowd. So well, there you go. It seems like a good combination. We would have had the TP covered. Yeah, it would have all been all right. Little did they know that 20 years later, toilet paper would be our most precious resource. <laughs> yes, I bet they're not doing that anymore. Just wasted it, yeah. But but Tom, so, I, Tom, I, I have to I have to say about that because I've mentioned that a couple times. But um, you know, obviously in my time, I've seen a lot of shows. Um, sure. The I think it was like the second or third time I saw the epoxies. It's on my list of top five shows of all time because it was Beat Kitchen, which is my favorite venue anyway in Chicago, and. Um, Opening the bill was Teenage Bottle Rocket. First time I ever saw them. First time I ever heard them, as a matter of fact. So I was blown away immediately. And then they went off the stage, and then the Phenomenauts came on, which I don't know if you know them, Tom, but they were like a science fiction rockabilly-type thing going on. and they're all, I'm vaguely familiar with them. Yeah, dressed in like almost like Star Trek-type outfits, but they had like a toilet paper gun for some reason. They're like, uh, kind of like the Aquabats, aren't they? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, we uh, it was the Aquabats, us, and Phenomenauts did a tour in 2005 as well. Hmm. Is that right? So, mm-hmm. so they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal, and then the epoxies came on and just blew everybody away. I mean, they were they were absolutely fantastic live. And actually, that's something I want to get onto was your whole stage presence, like the outfits and the um on the light show and all that kind of stuff. Now, whose whose idea was all that stuff? Because it everything added to the uh, to the whole vibe of the of the show. That was a, kind of a universal band thing um, with the. Uh, Viz and FM being the two kind of starting the band and having talk about, okay, we're going to do new wave music. It expanded into, well, we're going to do new wave music because no one's doing that. And we want to bring back fun and exciting performance. Because, like I said, at the time, at least in Portland, it was a lot of down and dirty rock and roll and kind of posturing. And so it was really brought to the forefront that, okay, we want to look ridiculous. We don't know what that means quite yet. Uh, we want it to be a real spectacle. We want we want to not be cool, and, or, and we want a lot of movement, and we want to see what comes of that. So it was a very conscious thing that, um, okay, this is, this is going to be something, and we're going to define it as we go. And... Um, that was always at the forefront. I'd, I'd say of the few rules we had, it, it it was those sort of basics. We didn't know what, you know, that we were going to be wearing duct tape all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Viz is kind of, uh, aside from being just a very talented musician, he's kind of brilliant in terms of, he's a savant with he created our violent bubble machine instead of going by a commercial one he made one and you turn that thing on and it was just like standing behind a jet engine off bubbles <laughs> and he he was the one who opened up a a light stick and spread it all over his face while he was also wearing videotape which apparently is very sharp uh so <laughs> 
It was like the the, the garbage invaders of, of of performance art and and really finding out you know where the issues may lie as we went. Yeah. So it, Tom, it was like it was like um, imagine like Devo when they were wearing the, the yellow jumpsuits kind of thing, but like times ten with like bondage pants and like yeah and like videotape wrapped around themselves and duct tape wrapped around and like so, so weird like fifties sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So was that like from the be? I mean. Were you doing that stuff from the beginning? You talk, you talk about the dirt nap guy seeing you on your like second show. Were, was there already a visual element to it at that point? Yep, I think the the uh, the duct tape the duct tape was a very early thing. Visit seen someone who had made duct tape pants at probably a Y two K party, and that had, he'd carried that around and he had made. Some, some pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were, in, we were formed in 2000. We've yeah, we formed sure. in September of 2000. Mm. And um, so I'm sure there were duct tape pants by then. And um, I don't exactly remember what anyone else was wearing for some reason. I have a really good memory for like frame, time frames and elements. So I was wearing a stripy red dress with like mismatching arm and leg things and I don't know what I had figured out makeup wise then but um yeah <laughs> just trying to look as loud as possible succeeded totally I'm, I'll, I'll put some pictures up actually when we actually put this one live just so people can see if they don't know but yeah it was an incredible visual performance as well as well as being great um you know, sonically as well, and they, they had like lasers attached to the guitars and stuff. Tom, it was it was a whole thing. It was it was a, sorry I missed it. Yeah, so and, did then, you, and then they had. I mean, it, it was it was almost crest-like in a way because they had like this big epoxy sign behind them in with like flashing lights and stuff. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite the quite the thing. So when you so you make the so if if we can backtrack a little bit, so you make the seven inch for dirt nap. And then, I mean, it, it's it sold really well, or he heard, or you guys just kept growing in popularity. He said, "We got to do an LP," or what was that? How did how did they progress from there? Oh, did we lose her? Oh, we lose Roxy. Her phone go dead. Uh oh. Well, that's not good. Okay, we're thirty four minutes, so I'll make a note of that. Maybe she got tired of all shenanigans. <laughs> I don't know. She seemed to be enjoying herself. I <laughs> yeah, I think so. Rox, are you on mute by any chance? Hmm. I'll try and add her again. Probably getting fatigued of holding onto her phone. Yeah, maybe. We always tell people, right? Make sure your phone's charged. Yeah. Definitely your fault. That's your <laughs> Definitely fault. our fault? I believe it. You got to leave that in, Neil. I don't. I don't want that edited out. We got. We got a minute of silence. We're gonna say, "Were we too much for you there, Roxy? Did we? Did we upset you or something?" <laughs> I say we haven't even started the yet. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, ask the, ask that question well, it again. A, it gave me a chance to shut out. I have an antique um, pendulum clock in this room, and I realized I forgot to shut it off beforehand. So, and maybe when someone listens to this, that's going to be slowly driving them bonkers. But now it's gone. No, I've been shut getting I've been getting work emails the whole time. So, you know, I'm sure they, that's been binging <laughs> as well. So, no, no big deal. But Tom, ask your question again, buddy. Well, you. So you made the seven inch for dirt nap, and at what point did did the I can't what did you say the guy's from dirt nap's first name was? It's Ken. 
Ken. Did Ken say I need an LP, or did you guys just keep getting more popular? And how, how did the how did it, how did you transition from the seven inch to the LP? I don't quite remember that, but all I know, and I don't know how, I don't know why, and I don't quite remember the series of events. I know we got really lucky with a great show in San Francisco that was packed, but uh, Ken put out the 7-inch. He originally impressed 1,300 of them, and they sold out in a week. Ah, I don't know thanks. how. I don't. I have no idea how that happened. Mm. And and he pressed more. And I think it was probably well. That went well. Let's do a record. I I'm I'm assuming it didn't all come up at once. I'm pretty sure when we first met it was let's do a seven inch. But once that happened, it was like okay, yeah, a record might be worthwhile. Did Did you have the songs at that point, or did you were you still did did you record what you had or did you work on new songs specifically for the record? Mm, I think we had just been adding songs to our live shows so that by the time the, the album, by the time it came around to recording the album, I think we had the songs that we wanted. Hmm. So, so next, the next step, somehow you got made the, got the attention of, Fat Mike, and in 2005, I mean, Fat Records in 2005 was the biggest punk label going, honestly. So how'd you end yeah. up? Uh, how'd you end up hooking up with crazy San Franciscoites, San Francisco San Franciscanites? Oh. Yeah, they that <laughs> sure that I'm works. That. We, when 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 did that happen? I think it was our first U.S. tour, and since we started on November first. We went down through San Francisco, across the south, and then up into the north, and didn't want to go across. I'm not sure if we played Chicago or not. I'm not sure we wanted to mess with that in, in that time of year. And <laughs> didn't so want to hang out with me. Back down, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't want to hang out with you, but uh, I, I could you. be wrong. We might have... We Actually, you know what I did find recently is I found our entire... Like, every show we played with maybe five missing. Hmm. So I could look that up if you guys want me to, but um, off just doing it quickly, I don't readily see it on my desktop because this is a mess. That's right. But, um, so we played our first, so we looped back around and we're going to play San Francisco again at the end. So on our way down, we played the park side and Mike showed up because people had said, you got to check out this band, the epoxies. And, um, you know, I, I certainly like a bunch of fat rec bands, but I don't pay too much attention to labels and, and don't get too sure. starstruck. So he was there and he was drunk and he's just, <laughs> he was talking. Uh, I don't remember if he was talking about wanting to do a record, but, Erin was there too and she was talking about maybe be, us being on Pink and Black which was her uh, at least female led at least fe- someone someone in the band had to be female and there, so there was hmm. talk about that I never even heard and, of that um, interesting Hmm. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think they folded all their imprints quite a while ago. But I'm, I, yeah. I think on and I think I think Aaron pretty. Well I think Aaron pretty much runs fat now too. But I yeah, could be wrong I, about that. I, I, I could be wrong about that as well. But that, that's 
that's what I have in my head. I don't know how I created it, <laughs> but that's, that's what I have in my head. Gotcha. But um, so so and and Mike was saying some stuff. I don't remember exactly, but we were kind of like, well, if we even considered that, we'd want to be on fat. And 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 we're all kind of like, oh yeah, that's the guy from Milfax. Okay, cool. Yeah, Fowler. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of us were starstruck. Well, it's and hard to get starstruck on, when the guy's when the guy's loaded and he probably smelled funny. And I mean, Mike is not a he does he doesn't look like a CEO, you know. <laughs> well, uh, would you like? I'd I'd probably be even less impressed beyond that, you know. <laughs> it's it's just that you know there are fat record super fans, understandably. Oh sure. Oh absolutely. But, absolutely. Since since I still consider us one of the black sheep bands that got released on Fat, and us as individuals having this sound versus the Fat sound, us being approached by Fat, we're kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. Versus another band that might be like, that's the best thing I've ever heard yeah. in my life, and life will never get better. Yeah. And um, as we came back, they were recording. No, effects is recording war on errorism, yeah. and they had a, they wanted a keyboard part on um, Franco and American, okay. and so on our way back, and we were going to play Bottom of the Hill. We stopped by Motor Studios, and Jesse wrote and laid down that keyboard line, <laughs> and it, and it kind of expanded from there. I, um, I don't remember when it became official, but he put us on the Rock Against Bush comp. I think we're track three or four. Brought us over to Europe and the, and re- released the uh, first album over in Europe. And then uh, waited forever for us to get our shit together for writing Stop the Future. Hmm. What was what? So that's pretty cool. So they de- he definitely kind of wind and dined you. Um, what uh, what are your what are your impressions of Mike? I mean, are, are you guys are you guys still friendly, or is it strictly a professional relationship? I'm always kind of interested in this, and I, I don't need you to tell me anything bad about Mike. But did you guys get on well? Uh, yeah, actually, I I I, I wouldn't say we're friends. I'd say we're acquaintances. We've had some sure. great conversations. We've had some great experiences together, and those are definitely all because of him. Um, <laughs> when he was trying to, trying to get us, um, uh, to start writing, he, he brought us down to San Francisco and put us at, in motor and, um, he, he's the one who created the fat sound. He's the no effect sound and it's different sure. from the epoxy sound. So he would give us a lot of input and suggestions and I think we rejected them all. Good. And <laughs> Good. And, um, you know, there were, if you think about the song Struggle Like No Other, he heard us that. We wrote that at Motor Studios, and he was skeptical of, you know, what the hell is this? But then understood how it completely worked in the end when the whole album came together. Um, I I like him. I think I have a lot of fun with him. Um, and have, I have nothing bad to say, and I'm just so grateful that he and Aaron gave us that opportunity and so much damn support. I mean, we were on the back cover of that, uh, like punk rock people magazine that he was doing a while that 
being distributed for free at the Warp Tour in 2006, and you'd see a copy on the ground, and, and there's this huge goddamn picture of us with an ad for the album. And it couldn't. It, he brought us to Japan with the Gimme Gimmies. Wow! I mean, holy shit! Yeah, really. It was just awesome. Yeah. No, that is that is great. And like I said, I wasn't looking for any dirt. I was just curious of what you're. I've never met the man personally. I'm always kind of you know he's. I always get the impression he's kind of wants to play the slacker, but at the end of the day, he's a businessman. But um, he, he is. He is, and he and he knows. In terms of music, he knows what he's, he's the best at what he does in, in terms of, of writing pop punk. He's, he's the genius. He knows what audience Fat Records has, and, and I appreciate it. He was very upfront about saying, you know, I think these two songs on the first album are very strong and that I don't necessarily like the rest of them. Let's, let's figure it out. Mm. Um, and then um, lots of interesting conversations about politics. So this, of course, was during the Bush Jr. years. Which, and, which, um, which now looks like it was a wonderful time, right? Oh, my God. Isn't that, is, right? Isn't that crazy? When, it is all When that election, when 2016 happened, and I immediately thought that, it was just like, I went out on tour rocking against Bush, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I remember cheering and, and then I remember cheering in, in 2012 like oh thank god Romney didn't win <laughs> yeah yeah I would have been like oh my god so it goes to show that reasonableness is a relative yeah, yeah little did we know yeah <laughs> So, yeah, let's yeah. Pl- let's play another epoxy. Let's play another epoxy song. Um, sure. So, I, funnily All enough, right, last one we got there is losing control. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, which we're going back to the first album for that one. Funnily enough, we've been all over the place, but yeah. So, um, this is losing control from the epoxies from their first album in two thousand two. Thing. New toy to get by. This 
losing control there from the epoxies. Um, yeah, that first album is phenomenal, and I like the second one too, but the first one is, yeah, slap in the face good. So if Fat Mike was saying he didn't like some of the songs, he's he's an idiot, so there. So I, I, I must say, you know, I must say, I'm a big fan of that uh, Warren Errorism album. I had actually given up on No Effects a few years before and hadn't listened to them, but I really think that was a strong album for them. Strong it's, comeback See, album. It's, funny you, it's funny you say that, because I, I've told you before, I mean, throughout the 90s, I was listening to a lot of, like, Britpop and stuff, and New Wave of New Wave, um, and I didn't I didn't even really know FX. Um, no, no FX. But um, I actually yeah, so watched that... Yeah, I actually watched that documentary <laughs> last weekend. And I li- actually downloaded War on Errorism, so that's the one I've been. Li- I've been actually been listening to that this week. And uh, the idiots are taking over. There's so many, There's a lot of great songs on that. That song about like uh, when did punk rock become so safe? The one that propaganda yeah, exactly. were all upset unfortunately, about. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think Fat Rack and Mike were part of the reason it became so safe. Honestly, because they sort of <laughs> made it something they were selling to the mother instead of selling to the punker. But anyway. This, this is a conversation for a different day. Well, it was an interesting, it was an interesting documentary though, and if you haven't seen it, it's actually well worth watching. Um, they don't mention the epoxies in it, unfortunately, but um, they should. They Is the one with the puppets in it? Yes, the one with the puppets. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes, I, I have seen that. It's been a while, but well, we weren't a huge. I think it went fine, and I, I don't think we. I have no idea if we lost some money or not, but uh, we. <laughs> We obviously are a fat band because we're on it, but we're not a fat band. So, I mean, Teenage Bottle Rocket makes complete sense, and it makes complete sense that they're throughout that documentary. So I took no offense there unless they wanted to have the segment on, and then there's these guys. Yeah, I remember them. You liked to boo them when they opened for no offense. (laughs) (laughs) Because they weren't wearing... Did that happen? Our first show with no effects, yes. Our first show overseas was opening for No Effects in London at some five thousand. Oh, oh, oh. all you had to all you had to say was it was in England, and I, I could tell exactly what was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the two shows we did in Europe with them, of course, were much different. And Ireland was great, but the English shows. Um, so. Whatever the 5,000 seater is, if you named it, I would probably be able to say, yes, that's the one, but I can't think of it right now. Um, so the lights go down, and there's 5,000 just, woo! And we we probably open with Need More Time, and the stage was huge, and, and we also had, we had a horrible driver, and so we showed up really late, and so we were stressed and didn't sound check. And I don't know if it was actually extreme, but when we finished, it was just like crickets and maybe some booze. Oh, no. Um, I know that our, actually, no, our first show in, in Europe was in Cologne, which was a, a, the second largest show with 4,000. And I'd say a good 300 people turned their back to us and were like flipping us off behi- behind their heads. So, <laughs> so fucking stupid. Not the Germans. What can you look at? And then we were, and we were getting hate mail. We got hate mail. I wish I had it still. It was something about, I want all of you to die violently 
and put you in a mass grave and I want to piss on you while your parents watch. Hey, I don't think I, mean, I, I don't these think are that... not Germans, right? I mean, Germans are not sending you hate mail about a mass grave, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I was going to say really it was gonna, the Germans. No, no, no. The Germans should so not be talking about when that. We're still on the the UK uh, leg <laughs> oh, of the tour, so this was probably Neil's, Neil's relatives. Dude, dude, Probably. I tell, I, I tell you what, um, I've seen ugh, just terrible. Like when I saw the Jam, any band that had to open up for the Jam, it probably sounded like the best gig ever until they got on stage. People <laughs> now, just throwing like yeah. throwing just people throwing shit. Even even decent bands oh, like yeah. the Piranhas and stuff, just people throwing shit at them from the time they started. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. It's terrible. English crowds. It's, what can you do? Terrible. It's terrible, but it's also like the greatest learning experience ever. Because you're like, well, my my skin's getting thick. I mean, whatever. You don't like us. Well, I I, I remember. I, remember. Well, I don't like you either. Well, and if you do win them over, there has to be a lot more satisfaction in that, right? Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, and our theory was, you know, if, if we got like five to ten percent of this five thousand person crowd to like us. That's a win. And if half of that, half of them that like you buy a t-shirt, you'll have enough money to get to the next show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you should... it, it, just, people are just so weird. We, we did that 50-state fat tour opening for Against Me, and um, people in Philly were awful. They, they kind of pulled the same thing as Cologne, and like someone even spit in our spit in our merch or something but i i the one-on-one thing that i remember is some girl in buffalo just standing in the back just flipping us off and i just said you know i'm sorry we don't fit your your handbook of um punk rock and she started wandering up wanting to fight me well that's what um, that's what's so weird about it though is that i mean the, well, that's, the, you're, you're the, the punk rockers could have such a narrow idea of what it is supposed well, and to you, be. And you were opening for Against Me, who I love Against Me. I got no beef with Against Me, but they're hardly the Sex Pistols. <laughs> you know, they start out playing like yeah. folk, folk punk, and this would have been around the probably around the time of my favorite album by them, Searching for a Form of Clarity. I imagine that era. Yeah, that's that's the one we toured because they were on Fat. Yeah, I they, love they, that album. It is. It's it's my my favorite one. I, I absolutely agree. What 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 were they like? Of course, I think it's just. I guess it's just Laura from the original, or no, the guitar player. The two of them. What what was, did you get to know those guys at all? Guy, I'm sorry. Those. Yeah, guys, um, guys uh, in, James. James should be. Well, I I worry about running into Laura, and and since I have not seen her since around then, that I'll slip up and use the. Well, that's what I didn't. I, I meant no one. I meant no insult by saying how were those guys. I swear, I meant no insult by it. It was just like a <laughs> no. I, I, and, and I didn't read it that way. I, granted, I'm not trans, but I, and so I'm. The fact that I'm saying this, I have no right to make an assumption, but saying yeah. "Hey, you guys," like electric yeah. company style, um, always referred to everyone. So no, it's like the Goonies. But, uh, James, like the Goonies. There you James go. Goonies. Been, yeah, I mean, there James has been. <laughs> I don't think James ever left against me, and Andrew came back uh, a year or two ago. So the Sorry. only one that's not on that lineup anymore is Warren, the drummer. Yeah, that's a so, pretty rock yeah, and roll name right there. Holy did you, shit! 
<laughs> I mean, are those guys friends of yours? I mean, you you friends with any of these bands you used to tour with, or is it just kind of once you quit once you quit playing music, you kind of lost touch? Oh God, I I am so grateful for the people I met playing. Uh, no, I'm not in con- like even frequent touch with any of them, but I would sure. say we're under sure. terms. Laura Laura made a post on Instagram uh, about must have been three months ago, about 15 years ago. Today I was on the brink of getting prepped for a 50 state us tour and i responded and um you know she wrote back and um started following me back i mean it's small things like that and uh i wrote to andrew maybe five years ago when he wasn't with the band for a while so certainly no hard feelings and then in terms of you know touring together for that long there was certainly friction because when when you're at a three month point, everything is friction as far as I'm concerned. Ah. Your pants are friction, sure. um, especially when they made a duct tape. Um, and getting to, <laughs> yeah, well, I never, I never, I never did that. Um, but uh, bands like that, uh, certainly good terms. Um, and then, but some of them, whether it was touring with them or just meeting them and playing a single show together and then and then they become your go-to band when you're in a certain town now that i live in providence we played our first providence show with a band called the midnight creeps and two female fronted bands and we, we both remember assessing each other like a could be an asshole to me because you never know if women are women have their weird tendencies as do men but a weird <laughs> female one is okay this is this person that do i am i going to be jealous am i going to dislike them because this is another front person female front person and it's completely uncalled for and makes no sense but we were like to each other gee is this person going to be like that and um she, she is an incredible performer, completely soulful, beautiful, deep, um, bluesy voice. And she's my best friend now. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Absolute mm. best friend. And you were afraid there was going to be like, so, so it's like a, it's so, so I, I read this as it's almost more of a competition when it's another female singer than, than it, it depends on the, it, it depends all. on the person. Mm. I mean, mm. it, 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 you read about the, the women who are, kind of frenemies and someone is going to wear some pair of booty shorts and, you know, <laughs> they're around some guy that they like and uh, the other one's wearing a different pair of booty shorts. And th- so there's this competition going on, which Boy, Neil, no we, need to, we ap- need to get to that competition, buddy. <laughs> I don't want to see you in booty shorts, baby. <laughs> no, I'm saying we need to watch the competition, not be involved. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So somehow, somewhere along the lines, a lot of women, females, girls, early on, are are wired by the environment around them that 
this is how women should be treating each other, that uh, not only are we competing against men, but we're competing against each other, which, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely effing ridiculous. But you never know when you're going to come across someone, and I'm not going to blame them for that. It came from somewhere. But you never know if you're going to come across someone who has that mindset. And so when meeting Jenny, who was just, I mean, her, her stage name is Jenny Hurricane, and she has it for a reason, because she's amazing on stage. And so assessing each other from afar, these two women who present want come across as strong as people in general, and then the same when they're on stage, you, you don't know if this person is going to appreciate that or there would be some people who are extra women who are extraordinarily intimidated by another strong woman. Well, say, I, the, I, say the name, say the name of that band again so I can check them out tomorrow. Midnight the, the, creeps. Midnight creeps. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about that. So you said when the band first started, you were super shy and stuff. So how did you take to mm-hmm. being on stage and being the front woman for the band? Because when I saw you, um, that never came across live. You you always seemed like you were, you know, wow, right up on stage and, you know, giving it your all and stuff. So I, I never got the impression that you were shy at all. So, Well, I, I was just thinking the other day, I do have a videotape of the first performance, and we all agreed that my performance was good and fueled by absolute fear, which was true. Oh, absolute, absolute <laughs> vodka, I thought um, you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I did. I never drank before playing. I, um, I think once I had a beer in Canada, but I I never ever drank before playing, and and I hadn't decided to stop drinking at the time. It was just I played completely sober, and some people need you know their everyone's got their formula. Sure, everyone's sure, yeah. Got how much they need to have ingested. All I need to do is make sure I ate something about hour and a half to two hours beforehand that was me but um joining the band and and joining because oh i want to do this little challenge for myself and it'll be fun to play around town turned into what it did instead and that experience including touring and the resiliency you need there completely changed my life Mm -hmm. and I had a level of strength, but also I'm still pretty introverted. Um, I, I learning more. I don't. I don't know what I think of woo-woo sort of stuff. But I'm having people telling me that I'm an empath, so I get tired really easily. And then um, I forgot where I was going. But um, at a certain point, <laughs> okay. it switched. It. It switched from okay, I'm pulling from fear, and I'm I'm creating a character. To this is getting bigger. I'm having people turning to me with particular expectations of who they think I am and what they think they want from me. Mm-hmm. And it, I consciously had to turn from okay, it was I originally wanted Roxy to be kind of this robotic, somewhat cold, not mean being, but needing to consciously go, that's not going to come across to someone projecting what they need to on me. This needs to be a good character. 
this needs to be a kind character. This needs to be a powerful character. And, and it, it needs to be a character that's not going to intimidate women, but inspire women. And yes, maybe I don't get, give as much of a shit if I intimidated men. I, that's always been the case. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you certainly... But if I can... You if, but if I could get a combination of, like, awe and... Res- it was, yes, maybe I'm... And that's being perceived, but I don't want it to be over-sexualized. I want it to be in my control. I want it to... If it's noticed, it's noticed with awe. And so that's kind of where it landed toward the end, understanding that people are turning to me for support, even if they have no idea who I am as a person. Well, you certainly and, su- you um, certainly succeeded, because like I was saying before, I was like, before one of the shows, I saw you at the at the bar, probably getting at something to eat, like you said. Um, and I was kind of intimidated to go and talk to you. It's weird, and I haven't felt that way since I met Paul Weller backstage a long time before that. So that was really weird. So so whatever you did, wait, you, wait, you wait, did I it right. I hope it was for a different. I hope it was for a different reason, Neil, that you were intimidated by Paul Weller. Well, I was like th- I was like thirteen, so you know, right. well, give me a break, go. give me a break. He's fucking. He was, you know, my god back then. God, good lord. But so, uh, yeah. But yeah, you did a good job, Roxy. I have to say, you you did a very very good job. Yeah. So so you said the band really never like officially broke up, right? I mean, you and you and you, you, I know you've played. I thought I saw you played at least once since then. So how did it end up? Kind of what kind of how did it unravel? You were doing pretty well, pretty um, successful, it, it, touring like crazy. Yeah, I'd say that we actually kind of pulled the plug on the really active stuff at our peak. Um, hmm. Bengals did that too, by the way. Um, <laughs> this goes back to your question about if we had figured out what our sound was and if that was defined. And we started butting heads on what that should be. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we had some main songwriters. Uh, I, I will, uh, I don't care. I, this is the truth to me, so I guess I don't care that I get it out there. I started learning or trying to teach myself how to write music because I joined the band because if I jump into something, I I always like to learn. And sure, I came up with some terrible shit, I'm sure, but was also told by one of the members, well, maybe you should not focus on any songwriting and just focus on being a performer and being shut down like that really put up some walls for me. And, you know, I started getting stubborn as a result to, even if it was something that sucked, I couldn't see it. I just wanted to be, it to be acknowledged. I wanted some positive feedback and some support for when there was something that was good. And, And that rebound album, I'd say, 75% 75% of those songs are songs that I had brought to the epoxies and every single one of them was like, was, got really bad reception. But that's also because it got to the point that any of us were trying to bring stuff and we just, we just backed ourselves into a corner. Um, FM writes very poppy stuff a lot of the time and I was getting really bored of uh, pop punk at the time. I I like stuff that has some dissonance. He also wrote My New World, and I love that. 
Mm-hmm. I love that song. So it just got to this point that we couldn't figure it out anymore. And that's why Stop the Future took so long to come out. And that record was painful to make. I actually like it better than the first record, but it was goddamn painful and completely inorganic. And I don't know how we did it. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you mentioned the Rebound album there. So, I mean, did you do anything? Okay, so the Epoxies never officially broke up, but then you put out the uh, Roxy Epoxy and the Rebound album. That came out, what, like, was that 2010? Something like that? Or was it earlier it than that? It came out in 2009. The 2009. Epoxies broke up in November 2000. Well, broke up, but it was uh, sure. like... It was, it to was be. more along the lines of, okay, we're going to stop doing this for now. But then 2010 rolled around. We had a friend who was sick and it was like, well, let's do this. And then we would play things. We've, we've done actually quite a few um, uh, uh, fundraisers. Mostly mm. it's been fundraisers. We played um, Pap... Uh, uh, it's not Paps Fest, but whatever the hell it was in in 2015, and it started getting to the point of okay, this is fun again. We're not on the road all the time. Um, it's it hasn't been this thing that's felt like a job, and we're in each other's laps and pissed at each other for a long time. And so it was, and, and we were going to do punk rock bowling and the dirt nap thing this past year and we were going to go to spain to do the what's it called it's like the fantastic frankenstein or something festival <laughs> last october and well we know what happened why why none of that happened but it was sure. it's turned now into two things that are fun and you know not too much work we're older now we have jobs um so you know, in the back of my head, I would love someday to be like, oh, let's see what happens if we try to write something again. But um, I, I know that others would probably resist that. Um, I'd even kind of be willing to say, if you guys want to write something, yes, I'll just sing it because I have other outlets now. So that's what happened. It just kind of came to a head that we're, there was too much tension. We we weren't willing to emotionally put ourselves trying to write a record. And so instead of putting out another full length, which was supposed to be on Metropolis, which I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because he doesn't know how to promote rock records or at least didn't then. Um, uh, and and it, so it just turned into, okay, what's, what's coming up and is fun. Well, let, let... so in that sense, we're still a band after 20 years. Hmm. Well, let's move on to 2009, though. So you did the okay. So tell me about the Roxy Epoxy and the Rebound. Who was who was in the band? Who was in the Rebound? What what who was in that? Or was that even a band? Well, ultimately, it, it was. I tried for it to be, but there was so much turnover. By the time we played our last show, I kind of said, you know what, this is just turning over, turning over, turning over, so-and-so is annoyed about this, whatever about that, fuck it. The album's out, I'm done playing it. So but, who, um, who, well, were th- who were I these folks? Pretty much, so, originally I asked my ex, who's a great guitar player, to help me with guitar work, and so he's the one who wrote kind of all the Steve Stevensy 
guitar lines. Yeah. Um, and then we met uh, a guy who was in a local band called the Prids for doing drums. It was this a woman who had played with my ex in another band playing bass. And who was the? Oh, I found this woman who wanted to do keyboards, and she did. But then she suddenly said, "Well, I can't do any touring on this." And so I had to find someone else, and she was pissed at me. I, I certainly, I, I still wonder how I should have handled that, but whatever. <clears throat> then so, me and uh, my ex broke up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and um, we had this guy, Scott, who was actually the only person who stayed with the band the whole time. And um, just kind of a revolving door beyond that. So you put out one album, uh, Band-Aids on Bullet Holes, right? 2009. Now, do you look back on that fondly, or was it kind of a, kind of difficult um, quite honestly, life has been pretty uh, challenging for the last uh, 11 years. So uh, it's take, pulling aside for, and aside from the album, um, it ties in with like difficult timing to me in general, mm-hmm. but, um, no. I'm I'm fond of the album. Uh, the only issue I I hate my vocal performance on it, and so it's hard for me to listen to because of that. It's um I think it's kind of got a gothy edge, and that's some of the stuff I was kind of into at the time. Um, but but I, I like it. I, I just think it would be better if my vocal performance wasn't so stiff. See, that's interesting to say that because I'd always listen to that and I was like, what happened to a voice? It's very different than it was in the epoxies, where it was kind of sounded like you were having fun, and in the rebound, it didn't sound like you were having that much fun. But I guess if you were listening to a lot of goth really? type stuff, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe that makes sense. Well, it's interesting because it's completely the opposite. On the rebound oh. album, I was trying to control it far too much. Um, I had taken vocal lessons. I had adopted this. I don't have a vibretto, but I, I was faking one. And that became so autopilot. And, and if, if with the demos of some of these songs, the delivery is so different from what it's on, on the rebound album. And quite honestly, the delivery doesn't change at all between the songs because of this, habit and this being so stringent about controlling my voice with the with the faux replica album i hadn't recorded in so long i stepped back after the rebound album came out and and turned over to academia for a long time but um recorded faux replica with a longtime friend of mine and and said to myself you know just just let it come out just if, if mm-hmm. you're going to scream, fine. You can't really do that on tour because you wouldn't be able to talk after a couple of days. But you can do that here. And so, and I had a blast recording that one. And okay. was, it was singing in higher registers and different places that I would never really tried before. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense, actually, because that actually comes across that you'd worked with a vocal coach because it did sound different. Your voice did, did sound different on that Rebound album. I'll tell you what, why don't we play a song from that one? Um so people can can hear what we're talking about. So you'd picked, um, I think, Dependence Leads Your Future. Is that right? uh, I picked Dependence Leads Your Fortune, but you also mentioned um, 
what's the one? What? what this it, twist. What, this twist. What's this? Thank you. I'm like I, the word parasite, and I'll never forget that. But I can't remember what it was actually called. But if you want to play that, go for it. I would. I would love it because I actually love that song. So yeah. Okay. So um, this is uh, Roxy Epoxy and the Rebound with the song This Twist. I want to see what you want. I want to want what you do. See, wasn't that fun? This twist, great, great song. Um, see, that one actually does sound like you're having fun. That song, um, some of the songs on the album, it doesn't sound I like should, you're actually enjoying I it that much. But... I, <laughs> I should see if I. Well, yeah, some of them are gothy and 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 harder, so it, I guess it makes. But if I still have a demo, I should send that to you because you'll notice such a difference of how I demoed it. It's it's kind of. Much breathier and more cartoonish hmm. versus what I ended up doing in the studio. Okay, hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, so this was so that that came out in two thousand nine. Yeah. And then you kind of pulled the plug on it around that time, or two thousand ten. Yeah, um, with the turnover of everyone except for Scott, we we played a a, a festival that only did one year in Seattle and it was a lot of fun, but the, the organizers did a really horrible job, but we had fun doing that. And then, and then I, I was, I I went so quickly from the epoxies into, okay, epoxies is over. I've got all these songs. I want to get these out. 
Sure. And I must admit, part of it was, okay, I, and I want to get these out because they were rejected. And, sure. and I want to so, get my I want to get my band out before these other guys get their bands out. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of that, and maybe that's childish, and that is why. No, the I think anybody who's out. in a anybody who's in a band that anybody who's in a band that splits up, that's how it always is. Oh, they're starting a band, we're starting mm-hmm. a band. Oh, our band has to be better. We have to get our stuff out first. So, no, I think that's totally normal. So, um, I forget what, what, what was the original question? <laughs> you kind of stepped, oh, yeah, stepped I, away I from music. Out. I was, yeah. I was burnt yeah. out. I had been touring forever and didn't take a break. Um, we went out on two tours with it. Um, my ex and I broke up and so I didn't tour. I, I haven't toured since then. It was like, okay, I, I starting from, I had gotten like, I had lost my job, like all this shit just kind of happened. And it was like this point of, I lost everything. I'm resetting, uh, rebound played a few more shows. And then I got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm going back to school and, I'm taking a break from music. And so it was an academia for a long time. And uh, go figure that when I go to grad school is when music's popped up again. I'm close to a longtime friend who has a studio. And so that gets cranked out while I'm, you know, in a master's program. <laughs> so why don't, why don't you tell us who, who that long-term friend was? Cause he's in a, he was in a pretty fam- famous band, right? Um, to me, I, I mean, I grew, I, he was playing all the time while I was in undergrad. Uh, his name's Chris Pierce. He was, is in a band called Doc Hopper. He was also in a band called Sinkhole. He will be kind of like guitar guy for, fill in for whoever. Uh, he recorded the latest Nightbirds album out on Fat. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, sound guy works with Mikey Erg a lot, um, and I met him my freshman year of college when I was seventeen. Are you, are you familiar with Doc Hopper, Tom? I'm not. I actually know Sinkhole though. Okay, a See, couple other things. Yeah, I've got. I think I've got one of the. I think I've got a Doc Hopper album, like Zigs, Yours and Zags or yep. something. Zig, that one? And yeah. Zags. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah, it's good. See, they were. They were considered pop punk like early '90s. Like early '90s pop punk is so different from pop punk now, and yes. they had so yes, much more of an edge, which I yep. I really loved and still love. And he had never collaborated with anyone, and we just meshed perfectly. It was great. Hmm. Well, so you you were actually in school and you got your masters and stuff like that, right? Yes. Yes, um, we finished mixing it um, the two weeks between me graduating and starting a job. It's <laughs> pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So this was. But we started it. We started it um, Dece- December 2016, right after the 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 Trump dick election and so that's why there's some songs there that i'm just like oh my god i don't even know what's gonna happen yet and i say it like white throne is about him yeah so this is the band full replica whose album came out 
this year. Uh, twenty, yeah, it came out twenty twenty, right? Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, last year, but yes, yeah, yeah. I know what you meant. Yeah, oh, I know what you meant. Oh god, yeah, we are in twenty twenty one, aren't we? Jesus Christ, I'm getting old. Our, our pal Josh Christ. from uh, Rad Girlfriend put that out. Yes, yes, he did, and thank you to Josh because apparently, when you step away from music for a long time. People don't necessarily care that you did something new, and so it was uh, really hard to get interest. And so Josh and and Chris are longtime buddies and have worked together a bunch. And um, so Josh was enough to put it out, and with all sorts of neat colors and a version of which looks like spinning gummy worms, which makes me happy. <laughs> that's that's the, so, yeah, that's the one that I have in, yeah. End of January and, and we have never been able to play a show We were going to do Fest um, A few months back But again, COVID were, were, you, were you thinking With Full Replica you were going to tour Or is that just done? Are you done with that? Were I don't want to do any tour? long No What's up? No, I, said, I, no, I said no, you don't want to go on No, I'm sorry, I'm listening I'm talking over top of you uh, I don't want to do long. Uh, I would be happy to maybe t- uh, take a few days off, um, assuming I'll find a job again someday, and um, <laughs> you know do long weekends. It's not not so hard over sure. here. Um, like I said, we were going to do fest, and um, you know just again like with the epoxies, just try to find fun stuff to do. Chris is set up to be able to tour. I like touring to a degree, but you don't want to do 50 states. Yeah. You don't want to do 50 states in 60 days. Yeah. No, no, no. I go to Europe again. I go, I would, you know, in a second, he's never made it over there. So just, just don't support no effects next time. Just don't support no effects and you'll be fine. (laughs) No effects doesn't doesn't tour either though. They, they'll fly in, do a couple shows, but they don't, it seems like once you get past a certain, most of these bands, once they get past a certain age, they don't they don't tour. You know, Screeching Weasel doesn't tour. They'll fly in for a weekend, but they're not gonna, you know, they're not touring. Yeah, don't really have no to. Effects, oh, no right. effects doesn't say, really did, tour. Did you say Bad Religion? Did you? Well, say no, bad I said Bad tour? Religion still tours. That's right. They actually still do. They or do. At least they did. They'll like, do Screech- chunks. They won't do. Lo- they won't do longer than two or three weeks. Actually. Um, I've known their the drummer that they brought on a few years back. I've known met him okay. through music with his old band and so so i know exactly how they do it <laughs> they'll take well, two or three weeks at a time yeah well like no effects i mean i think they pretty much just do festivals in the u.s at this point i don't think they really yeah it's been a while since they've toured they might do europe it might be lucrative enough to tour europe but they don't you know it's they're in a little different position i'm sure financially too but yeah it's, yes, it's interesting. <laughs> these older bands don't you know they don't get in the van and go much anymore Except, a lot of, a lot except for the exploited. <laughs> yeah, well, they, can't, they, yeah, they, ju- they jump in that damn van and do their thing. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, two shows and then cancel the tour. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, Waddy's like ninety. Just leave him alone. So, um, so, so you saying this, this this full replica album was was it done four years ago or you started it four years ago? Because you say it, it came we out. Started 20- it. We started it in, in in December 2016, and I would go down to New Jersey every school break I had. <laughs> and so it took a couple years, and it was done in 
May of 2018, and then it took a while to find someone who wanted to put it out, and then it finally came out about a year ago. Good old Josh. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting because you said, you know, you wrote it 2016 just after Trump had got in, and it does have a very dark feel. I mean, there's a couple of fun songs on there, but you can tell you're pissed off about things. Um on, on that album it's uh that certainly <laughs> that that comes across man yeah especially the white throne and uh yeah a couple of other songs on there it's uh mm -hmm. it's different yeah it's different i mean it's not the uh the lighthearted nonsense of the epoxies for sure well epoxies epoxies were sounded lighthearted but most of that stuff was pretty dystopian as well it was dystopian yeah yeah i mean i must admit i i would sing along with the lyrics and not think about really what they were saying too much just because i was enjoying the song so much <laughs> but uh, that happens to me a lot like, though like brain like brain chemistry i wrote it after it was right the last time i visited portland this uh portland fixture well-loved fixture um committed suicide and shortly after i got home Another friend committed suicide, and so the first half, and someone I, I am someone who deals with depression or recurrent major depression, and so I know that headspace, and so that song's super happy. So the verses are really happy, but if you listen to the first one, it's just like, yeah, I haven't showered, and um, no one likes me. <laughs> so, that, so that's the epoxy formula right there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing everyone down, Roxy. That's great. We like yeah, you. Yeah, no Roxy. problem. We like you, and and you know, due to the arrangement here, we couldn't smell you even if you hadn't showered. So that'd be fine too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, true enough. True well, enough. I don't need to. I mean, I'm unemployed, and, and we're all trying to stay home, so it doesn't matter now. Yeah, but um, all that, like all I said, that education. I'm, I'm, up front, I'm um, like I said, I'm going to be as upfront as possible, and and I'm completely upfront about that I I deal with depression because a lot of people do, and and they are afraid to admit it. And our mental health care system, in addition to our right, just physical general health care system, sucks ass. As someone who works in healthcare, um, I think that. I, so I want to be upfront about putting that out there. So yeah, I, I deal with that shit, and yeah. and here's a song about dealing with that shit. And the second half is saying, yeah, reach out. We'd rather not lose you. Yeah, I, I tell you what. One of the um, well, you saw this Tom when we saw that the the Jake Burns um solo set he did at that drive-in Pegboy concert um a few yeah. months ago, yep. and off that last Stiff Little Fingers album, the one that came out a few years ago, um. He has that song, "My Dark Places," because yep, he, yep, he suffers. He suffers from depression too, and he's very upfront about talking about it and yep. saying, "Whatever you do, get some help," and that kind of it thing. Doesn't so, do any, mm -hmm. doesn't do any good to keep in the dark. Right. Does not do anybody any good. Right. So yeah, that so, was... and the fact of the matter is, even those of us who don't necessarily suffer from it, we we all know we all know somebody or several somebodies. You know, it's just it's it's just a a pretty common thing. You know, and I don't think it's going to get any better. <laughs> anytime soon no so. i think this year i mean probably people who've never dealt with it before the weight of just the constant bombardment of just idiocy and death 
I mean, is going to bring people who have normal brain chemistry probably pretty close to yeah. feeling exactly what depression is like. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I could've... not be, not being able to leave the house, not being able to go hang out with friends. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, last year I should say it's 2021. I'm being hopeful about 2021, but 2020 was a tough year. It's as tough a year as I've dealt with in my nearly half a century. You know, I have a friend in so. England. Mm-hmm. I, I I have a friend in England who's very much. Um, he's he's not a. It's not that he doesn't believe in COVID, but he's like, I tell you what, these lockdowns, they're going to contribute to as many deaths from people committing suicide and shit as they are from the actual COVID deaths themselves. So it, it's a, that's a whole. It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, it, I don't think that, that that's necessarily true, but I know it is contributing to it. I mean, statistically, oh, the, you can see. Depression, the, depression is off the, is off the charts. I it mean, is. you know, it so is. yeah. Anyway, wow, this went down a rabbit hole real fast. Yeah, but what, we got to finish with something fun. We <laughs> well, after, finish, well, we, well, we'll tell you, let's play, let's, well, we've just been talking about it, so let's play the damn song, right? Uh, Full replica, brain chemistry.
there. See, that was a. It sounded really fun until you hear what the lyrics are, right? And that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, I like that one. So well, the end is the end is positive. Yeah, 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 for sure. What are you looking forward to in twenty twenty one? Hit us with some good news, would you? Hit us with something positive. What What are we looking forward to this year? Um, you know, I've been pulling out my my first profession was actually photography, and you know that when you're doing something as a profession, it kind of gets less fun. So I dropped photography for a very long time um, and destroyed my life with music for for (laughs) another very long time. But I've been pulling out old prints from film and old cameras and and kind of getting excited about uh, doing some of that again. And um, I have started writing uh, some new songs again as well. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying just kind of going with the flow, quite honestly. I'm not too upset about being cooped up. Um, like I said, I'm kind of an introvert, so I can I can get away with that. But uh, it, it's kind of turned into what's productive and new in the current situation. And enjoying the fact that I ha- got a COVID-related layoff. I'm in an okay position right now. I'm grateful for that because I know so many people are not. And um, I'm kind of enjoying, I'm heavily looking for a job, but I also am enjoying the bit of extra downtime I have to do creative hmm. stuff. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because I think I think that's the answer a lot, is kind of what you just said, where it's, well, we don't really have control over the situation, so let's not sweat the things we can't control, and let's just try to make the best of it. And that's, and it yeah. took me a long time to get to that too. I mean, I remember when I was first home from work for a while, I was just like wandering around, like, "What am I doing?" And then I thought to myself, "You know what? I've been preparing for this my whole life. I have a house full of records and books, and I mean, you know." Yeah, we'll do this stupid podcast. It'll be great. Yeah, exactly. I'll, yeah, we were doing two or three a week. Everybody was locked in their house. You, yeah. you'd be shocked how famous the people are willing to talk to you when they can't leave their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good times. Good That's times. awesome. That's yeah, awesome. These bastards go back on tour. They won't talk to us again. <laughs> yeah, hey, was it? Who the hell are you guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, so, so you say you've been writing songs again. So, are you planning to continue with the uh, the guy from Doc Hopper, or are you going to try and do something different? Are you going to do for replica sure. again, or? Yep, I want to continue doing that. I had such a good time with him, and it's uh, obviously both of us bringing stuff to the table, and then the other one gets their hands on it, and it turns into this. It, it's to me, it's such an obvious blend of both of our styles, and yeah, I I want to continue with that. It was simple, it was fun. We could do it with just two of us. <laughs> Who's doing the keyboards on that? <laughs> we, we, that was me. I, I mean, oh, that I was you. Kind of play. So you do play yeah. an instrument, see? See? False modesty I, there. Kind see? of. I, I wish I was uh, better at it, but um, the the really disappointing thing is, is like I can get full songs in my head, but I can't get them out through my damn hands. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Yeah. It'll get easier. But It'll uh, get easier. But Chris can, and so uh, I'm looking forward to working with him, and... Um, if we ever get to play live, as far as I know, it's uh, Mikey Erg will be on drums, and I've asked B-Face if he wants to do bass. Wow. B-Face, Neil, and, in case you, it's like he's the bass player from the classic like Queers lineup from the early 90s. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And Mike Yerg obviously is like Mike Yerg plays in like fifty bands. He's the typical drummer where he like plays for everybody. That's sort of like a super well, group, the, honestly. Well, the, cool, super group. The, the the thing that we couldn't get to happen because he's so far away is that Tim from the Lillingtons actually asked about drumming, but that was just, oh yeah. Um, the distance would just be difficult, but that would have been so funny, just um, and none of us are famous famous it's in cer- certain circles where yeah. like you know punk circles yeah v-level v- v- celebrities <laughs> and, but like to to people like us it'd just be like oh holy shit and what yeah. are all those people doing playing together that, that's kind of an odd mix but it works well yeah because you've got people in your bands that i mean like i'm a, I'm a huge lillington's fan i know neil is too we actually went and saw him together in chicago um and also, uh, man, I love I loved uh, Beef Face played on a couple of my very favorite albums of all time. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, like Agreed. don't back, don't back, don't back, don't back down. And love songs for the retarded are still like in steady rotation. Third, almost thirty years after they came out for me. So anyway. there'll be times where I have to refrain from texting him. Like uh, it's like I keep thinking of you today because I can't stop farting. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You heard it here first, everybody. Classic queer song. Yeah. And I, I saw him a few years ago, like three or four years ago. He still look. he looks like he's barely aged. He looks like a, yeah. he looks like yeah. man, he's got to be in his 50s. You know, he I, looks I, like 35. Yeah, you know, I actually only met him since I've moved back here. And it turned okay. out that we were just mutual fans of each other's work and so we kind of shuffled up to each other like one being a fan of the other saying hey you know, I like your stuff <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like these people who will have other people do that to them like doing it to each other so it yeah. was just this really w- awkward thing and I asked him if he was interested in doing it and he's like really <laughs> wow. you know we were talking to somebody talking to somebody else was it was it jay from the prozacs because he lives in massachusetts neil i don't remember but he was saying that b face just shows up at shows he's like a super supportive guy like really yeah, seems to think be it was a music jay, lover. Yeah. yeah i and, think it was jay you know yeah. the bars and see shows yeah, and he supports is. supports the local bands and stuff yeah he he does um um i met him at a teenage bottle rocket show i have a funny story about jay who bought equipment from Chris, Bo Replica, Doc Hopper, and since I was coming back up north and living in Massachusetts, I could go in a certain route to be able to meet Jay in a parking lot and give it to him. And um, so I showed up, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but I think it was pretty much like, are you you Roxy Epoxy? All right. Oh, he didn't know he was not realizing that that's, oh, that's who's that's delivering his stuff. It's just that's such fun. a small, wonderful group that is just so varied in the kind of music we make and, and what we add. And I am, you know, uh, get late 40s here, and mom and dad said I'd grow out of it, but I didn't, and I'm glad. <laughs> That's all right. We'll see you. We got a late forties and a late fifties here. So yeah, there you go. Hey, and I agree. I do think it's funny because I actually think about that very same thing. My mom, my mom always used to say that. Oh, you you won't be into that when you're older. I don't know if I've been sticking with it for forty years just to prove her wrong or what. I don't know. I, I, 
Hey, you got you. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I just got I just got a jab that's made me made me laugh. So Jughead, he was he played with uh, Screeching Weasel, Screeching right? Weasel. Yeah. Job. Did you know? Did you mm-hmm. did, did you know he was in Japan for a while? He was he was he was working at Universal Studios, and he played a wizard at the Harry no. Potter at the Harry Potter thing. Yeah, I, I did know that actually. <laughs> oh my friends, god! Friends on Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's that's a good thing to know. Uh, Thank you for sharing. That's killing me. That's our, that's our friend in Japan, John. Thanks, John. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I did know that actually. I'm a I'm a huge screeching weasel nut. Um, yes, you are. You know that. Neil knows that. Neil knows that. But anyway. Yes. All right. All right. Well, well I I think Neil, unless you got any more questions, I think we should let Roxy go have dinner. Oh or no, whatever, no, no. Hold on. No, no we we got more stuff to we've got more stuff to cover, buddy. Um. We? Hey, we got another for replica song to play. Okay. So this was, you know, obviously this is off an album that came out this year. So you know, we try and get people to buy it. And I tell you what, I did Actually, get. Josh, I think Josh said it pretty much sold out as soon as it came out. Well, and I, I did get that copy that had that crazy color streak thing. You said it was like gummy worms or you something. Got the gummy worms. It looks go- <laughs> It looks gorgeous. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of vinyl I have. Um, it is a gorgeous looking. I record. love it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so this is uh, Leaders of the Blind. So I'm assuming this was a post-Trump kind of song, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, uh, of course I, I ended up being wrong about um, uh, putting the black or sending the black ones to. No, it was black ones in jail cells and brown ones to Roswell. So I was wrong about about the the brown ones in Roswell rather than um, cages. No, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, this is Leaders of the Blind by Faux Replica.
there. Lead us to the blind. My full replica from their um, 2020 album. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really good. And like I say, it, man, that album looked gorgeous. <laughs> I have to say, I, I was lucky I got on the uh, pre-release for that one. Um, as soon, as, actually, funnily enough, as soon as I saw your name was on it, so I didn't, I hadn't even heard it. But uh, I ordered it, and I didn't even know <laughs> well, Josh at that time I'm... too. I didn't know Josh, and now I know Josh because we've had him on the show too. So it's kind of a funny how how that whole thing works. Well, you know, you were talking about what a small world it is because it really is a small world because, you know, we, we you know there used to be that game, Roxy, it was called like Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon or something. You remember yep. that game? Yeah. Yep, I was, just, I was just thinking about that game the other day, trying to remember officially what the title was. Of six, how degrees. Many degrees of six degrees. Six degrees. Is it six degrees? Okay. Yeah. But I would say in punk rock, it's very rare that you get more than three degrees away from somebody. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a small, you know, it's like, wow, I, you know, knew this guy for that. And, you know, you know, and next thing you know, you're like two degrees, three degrees away from like the MC5. You know, it's just, it's just a small, <laughs> it, it's a small world. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, that was, well, I told that, I that told was a that, jump. I told that story, Neil, that I played in a band with a guy for years and he played guitar and he also played saxophone for John Sinclair, who was the manager of the MC5. Yeah, but you everyone. Know, yeah, but everyone in Michigan knows each other, you know. So you know, Michigan's a big state. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Listen, I will not be talked down to by somebody from Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I'm from England originally, mate. Come on. Yeah, whatever. You've been here long. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> see, see, you know, see, see. I tried to wrap it up on a high note, and now we got to do this. Well, no, actually, hey, no, no, actually, because I, I, I at least neither of us are in Massachusetts. Oh no, she's. I'm sorry, she said she's in Providence. Yeah, she's in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. But I Asshole. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, yep. I, think, I think Rhode Island's actually pretty nice, isn't it? I'm enjoying it. It's um, Providence is a, a small city. It reminds me a lot of Portland when I first moved there. And yeah, I hopefully I do really like it. And it's a huh? what? I, hopefully they don't ruin it like they did Portland and move in a bunch of like uh, you know farm to table restaurants. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. It does have potential for stuff like that—a combination of it being destroyed by Portlandia, which at the beginning people were like, "Oh, how true is this?" Like, well, you know, it's it's, it's running along the same lines, but it's it's more extreme. And then it really turned into that, <laughs> and, they sort of and it, it was sad. Yeah, yeah, but it's all right. People like it. Listen, people still want to go there, as far as I can tell. So. Well, actually, I was going to ask, so how come, did you move away just because you were just tired of the whole scene over there, or you just needed to go back for college or something? Um, I was feeling really stuck there, and the city was changing, and the people in it, the, the types of people were moving there, and the feel of it was really changing, and I was going to school I originally was working toward a post-baccalaureate accounting certificate and kind of realized that I was more into to business analytics and um, someone told me that oh it sounds like you are more interested in, in an MBA um, there's not a lot of schools in that area but there sure are a hell of a lot here my parents still live here and they're getting older and I always knew that there'd be a point where I just need to come home and sure. I need to be around my parents and I need to be available to help. And it all kind of coincided at the same time. And so it was, 
scary and jarring as hell to move from a place I lived 20 years and then within a week I'm in an MBA program, which um, kind of will pretty much drive you bonkers as, as is. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just kind of time for a change. It was time to come back to the roots and um, and I'm here because the parents are 40 minutes away and, and I have a good relationship with them and um, that's just the way it is. Okay, so talking about your family, I have to bring this one up because my daughter would kill me if I don't. And you know where I'm going with this, oh. Roxy. So, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I do. Tom, I don't know if you know this, but... Roxy, I don't. So, but, yeah, no, I have no idea where you're going with this. Roxy right. is related to... I don't even know how you would describe this, this woman. Um, it's a pretty famous new singer. Her name is Ash Nico. And um, I don't even know how you would describe the music. It, it's not, I've never heard of it's her. Not, it's, it's, not not rap, it's, not, it's not rap. It's not pop. It's some kind of mix in the middle, right? And uh, but anyway, and it's totally some. It's like totally something that the kids know. Like there's all these rappers out now that are. If it's, I mean, Nicki Minaj is kind of more old school now, and and uh, there's Cardi B, mm-hmm. and they are very, very blunt with their sexuality oh, and yeah, yeah, with yeah. their rapping, make, but there's also that genre, the genre of. Uh, if, and and uh, one is also called Brooke Candy, which um, Ash co-wrote an album with her. But there's a genre, I'm sure it's not this visual thing that has to do with the genre. There was that little peep guy and a whole bunch of other people who were getting like little teeny tiny tattoos all over them. And it's this kind of weird, it, it's rap mixed with kind of like darker tones and Ashniko, I think she's falling kind of into that realm, but um, this is our age showing where we're like, oh, so, well, so, I don't know what it's called, and it's kind of, I think it's these things, but, um, and and I noticed that they released like three or four songs digitally at a time. They don't do yeah. albums. Right. SoundCloud, SoundCloud and, rappers, right? Well, well, and, and it, so, I'm sorry, it's Ash Nico, not Ash Nico. I'm going to have to tell Lydia that. She'll be very upset that she got that wrong. Um, I, I have no, I don't know. Oh, okay. Know. Okay, yeah, she said, so, but, but she, she's your niece, correct? Something like that? Or cousin or something? She is my, she is my cousin's daughter. So she is my second cousin. Okay. Who I never met because I lived on the West Coast for so long. Okay. Um, but it's funny because she has a visual because Lydia showed me some of her videos and stuff, and yeah, very sexual. And um, but she's got a visual style that reminds me somewhat of the stuff you were doing with the epoxies. I mean, it's very loud, a lot of you know loud makeup and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and lots of vivid colors and stuff. So it is interesting how that has you know come across. I don't know if she ever even saw you performing or whatever, she but. Did. Yeah, well there you well there you go. That uh, makes my sense. My cousin, my uh, she, Ash was interested in in music for a long time, and and I think she's got a, uh, a dance background as well. And Lauren, my cousin, would show her epoxy's videos, and so I'm not going to assume that that influenced her in in any way. But I have no 
idea. I mean, you get to a certain age, you're like, of sure. course I'm not influencing a 20, 20, three-year-old <laughs> no but there There's is no there, way no but there, there is something a little bit dark about the stuff that she does um there's this, a dark element Definitely. to her videos and stuff and it's yeah it, it's weird so one of the funniest things tom this is this is this was hysterical actually i just can't I'm, believe that neil like even knows what like soundcloud rappers are well no I, I, th- 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 this, this was actually hysterical because lydia showed me this that ash nico yeah she does a lot of very sexual stuff but they she they showed her showing her grandparents some of the video some of the videos and stuff that she'd done and what their grandparents what her, her grandparents had to say. So you know them, I'm assuming the grandparents. I'm assuming you know them. That that is my father's brother. Yeah, that was, so that was hysterical watching her complete like dismay at what uh. at what Nico was singing about and stuff. That was actually. Well, listening to my uncle talk about, oh, this is bondage in S and M. I'm like, you, uncle. This is where I'm not sure I should mention names, but Uncle Paul, you know what these things are, and my uncle Penny, very, very, very conservative, religious, very. (laughs) (laughs) So knowing this background. And watching them and recognizing these faces so readily. <laughs> and then my, my dad's like, his Paul, Uncle Paul, sent him that video, a link to it. He's like, oh, have you seen this? And I said, yeah, but I would love to watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, crazy. yeah, that just... It's crazy, man. I don't, I don't know about, I don't know what to think about this stuff, Neil. I'm, I'm hardly a prude. But, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and, and Roxy and I are similar similar age, so maybe she has a similar experience, where we, there was the band The Two Live Crew. Uh, that's they, exactly what I was thinking. And, and I had and some Kipper tapes, Gore right? And in, 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 in Congress talking about trying to yep, put these like, obscenity yep. labels on things. Yeah, and I but vividly my, my, remember the cover of the record. But, <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, so I had this tape, right? I had As Nasty As They Want to Be, I think it was called. But you know what I was, I'd listen to that thing like hiding in the basement. Like I was, I would, like if my parents caught me listening to that, I would have been in trouble, I swear. And then I'd listen to this, so I see this song WAP or WAP or whatever the hell it is. I see this, see this video. Oh, or yeah. I see this. Is, so that the, like, is that the juicy, juicy pussy one? Yeah, so I put it on the computer at work. A few of the guys are standing around, and we're watching this on the computer. And I swear, I think I blushed. <laughs> I'm like, this is cr- This is so dirty. I don't even... I, mean, I, I feel like a prude, and I'm not. I swear, I, I mean, man, the conversations I have with my kids would, be, would shock a lot of America. But but I just, I'm watching this going, this this is too much. I'm, I'm embarrassed by this. I, 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 so, then- any... I'm showing my age, and then I guess. Put on, and then put on Justify My Love right after that and remember what a big stinking yeah. deal that was. Or like George Michael Faith or something, right? Remember like, well, I guess it would be nice if I... Or, uh, <laughs> or what's the... I want your sex. George Michael, I want your sex. Tom, that was a very good sounds... George Michael impression, Tom. That was excellent. But well I'm, done. But I'm saying if you listen now to I Want Your Sex, which yes. is something that was very controversial at the time, they changed the lyrics to I want your love when they, on the video. Yeah. And, and you listen to that now, it sounds like the background for a freaking PBS cartoon. Yeah. Compared to what these kids are doing now. At the time I mean, at, at the time he was doing glory holes though, so let's not get too excited about that one. But uh yeah. I mean, all these things get into perspective when you find out certain things later on. I get that. But yeah, yes. it's, it's it's strange, man. It's strange times. Yes. That, that's a 
Neil, we're going to do that thing again where we're we're going. We're well over two hours again. People are going to be yelling at us. Oh no, we're only at like a do- an hour forty-five. <laughs> and, and actually, I do have one more thing to ask Roxy about. And this sure. one, is, and this one is a little bit. This this one's actually this a little bit sad. Half we can get. This one's actually a little bit sad. So, Tom, did you ever hear the band The Exploding Hearts? Why couldn't you save the freaking SoundCloud rapper <laughs> fun stuff for the end? Why do you have to bring the? Uh, because yeah, I, I because I'm gonna it, because I'm gonna play us out with. Died in a van crash, right? Yes, because I'm going to play us out with an Exploding Heart song. That's why. That's why I saved it to the end. But they were uh, Portland. I think you mentioned that earlier, uh, Roxy, right? Um, Exploding Hearts are from yeah. Portland. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, because I know you knew those guys really well and stuff like that. So why don't you just talk them up a little bit? Um. Well, actually, it's funny. I first... The first one I knew about out of all of them was Jeremy because he sent a fan letter to my apartment because he was a fan of the automatics and he put his school photo in there and he was 14 and he looked like this little blonde angel. (laughs) I would come across that picture and I would just smile at it because it was so cute. And then through him um, and them coming out to automatic shows, I got to know Adam. I didn't know Terry until later on. I actually didn't know him well at all until after the accident. And um, Epoxy just started playing, and Adam came up to me with a demo saying, can you give this to the guy from Dirt Nap? And um, I did. <laughs> and But part of me is just like, oh, my God, no one has that. It would be so cool to have that. But, of course, you know, I'd much rather that they were put out on, on Dirt Nap. But, um, you know, I just I, – I knew them as, as teenagers. I was in my, uh, my early 20s. Uh, I certainly didn't know them as well as, as some people. I would be at the – what they called the pink palace where the the album cover was shot on occasion. I have some really lovely memories of Adam. Um, He followed me to a doctor's appointment and then we went ice skating together, which was just, (laughs) I think he was just looking to fill up some time. But the biggest thing that I will always remember is I was on the way to a brief show and I, my foot slipped and I got in a huge accident from running a stop sign and he just hung out with me and and hugged me and was just with me all night and he was just he he had a he 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 and jeremy ended up being in the spider babies for after well my ex was in the Spider Babies as well, so when he left town, obviously that was vacated. And um, so Adam and Jeremy started playing with this guy, Kevin Shape, and I think the Spider Babies are, are, are brilliant, but it's definitely very crass, misogynistic lyrics. So I think a little bit of that rubbed off on them to a degree, and it would be funny when like you'd see the sweet side of Adam and then this other side would kind of come out too. And he was also in a band called Coco Cobra and the killers with Kevin and my ex with a singer named Viva Las Vegas, who would get totally naked on stage. And so, so this is before the exploding hearts though, right? Obviously before the exploding hearts. Yeah. These are all before the exploding hearts. And then, 
Adam gave me this CD and I listened to it and I was just stinking blown away. Right. And once they started playing shows and releasing stuff and, and getting around town and people understand it's there was a mixed bag there were some people who couldn't stand them because they were also doing this thing against the all-black rock and roll they would wear the pink and the yellow mm-hmm. and the adam was kind of the first person who started wearing the mullet again and then like all the spiky haired punk rockers stopped spiking their hair and eventually they all had kind of rock and roll mullets too but um so we kind of developed this not serious rivalry over like the band, like which band was getting more successful. And, and in retrospect, I know that their songs are so much better than any of the, any of ours. And um, yeah, last time I saw him, I ran into him when I was heading to a dance night. And um, last time I saw Jeremy was on the fourth of July. That of. July of 2013 or 2003, 2003 right yeah so and, I um, mean for, yeah for, the, for those that don't know so the Exploding Hearts were an absolutely fantastic power pop uh, punk band um, released one amazing album called Guitar Romantic uh, four piece and uh, unfortunately um, their van they had a rollover accident I believe right and um, it was their first they, they had played it Interestingly enough, their first out-of-state show, Harvard flew them out to Massachusetts to play there. But it was their first trip out of the Northwest. Lookout Records was, I think, rumor has it they were talking with, working with Lookout. And um, they played they played a sold-out show at Bottom of the Hill. They did a surprise show at the Parkside and then started driving back. I've heard a couple things about, like, kind of what brought on the rollover accident but most of it was exhaustion um mm-hmm. and an overcorrection and they flipped and three out of four of them passed away yeah it's so incredibly sad and it can still bring me to tears so i'm still trying to hold back and just kind of be out front about it but um everyone i know who knew them I, will always be on the edge about it sure i mean i mean because i mean obviously i I didn't know them or anything but yeah that album is absolutely fantastic and they were just on the verge i'd say of breaking out huge and uh it's just so sad that uh that that happened to them but yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to bring that up because i don't think they get talked about enough and it's it's just sad that they didn't uh you know not enough people know about them um because they were fantastic just one album i think and two singles i think that was it right and then I think there's a compilation or yeah. something, but yeah. Yeah, the uh, Dirtnet put out the Shattered compilation, which is also quite good with some outtakes and alternate versions. Yeah. So. Hmm. Anyway, Tom, I don't know if you ever heard them, but uh, the, that that album is fantastic. Yeah, if you follow up on anything we discussed, go listen to that. Yeah, it's, you know, I've heard that from other people too. I just have never really listened to them, so I'm going to check them out. And if you get the if you get the album, if you get the album, just for a bit of light relief here, if you get the album, flip it over, and then you'll see a picture of uh, our very own Roxy Epoxy. Uh, <laughs> 
Grabbing the singer's crotch. Um, oh, so, there you go. Oh, there, you, there you go, Roxy. Sorry, I had to break that, that one out for is, you. Is that? No, it's fine. Um, I, I had seen that picture. I don't know if I completely forgot everything about it or if, like, I would. Is that the, is that the Screaming Apple Records version? Because that's not the back cover of the Dirt Nap one. Oh, it's not? Or is it an insert? Um, I believe no. I believe that's like the, the that's the and you have like tape over your mouth. Yes, that's our I girl. Do. That's our girl. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting busy. Uh, yeah, I would tape my mouth because shouting over loud music would make me lose my voice. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So that's if you go on Discogs and check out the Exploding Hearts Guitar Romantic. That's uh, that's Roxy on the back co- the back cover. But, but yeah, anyway, that's it. And, and there's a line, of, and there's a line about me in that in that album's version on "Still Crazy," which no one knows because on those lyric sites, it's it's they get all the lyrics right, and then at that one, it's just like and something something dot dot dot, and it gets back to the regular lyrics. Hmm. The line is, I've got Walter, Walter Lore rocking in my head. Hey, it's Roxy home. Get her out of bed. Oh, yeah, my bed. And on that note, I was never in Adam's bed. But <laughs> I am. I, I hold it so close to my heart that that, is, that, that happened. Huh. Oh, you know, you know what? You're exactly right. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Um, that isn't on. The, actually, the version, the version I have, that's not on. I don't have that picture on the back cover, so I don't know which version that is, because that must be the Dirt Nap one or something, because that's not the one that I have. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Damn it, now I feel cheated. I feel, now you're gonna, now, I I'm guess I know what now. Gil's going to do after yeah. a couple more drinks. He's going to be on Discogs later tonight. <laughs> I, am, that, I am already. <laughs> finding God. that version of the record. God damn it. Yeah, that's not the one that I have. All right. Well, anyway, um, yeah, so I wanted to bring that up, and then I thought we'd uh, we'd play... We play one of the songs off the album. Either, um, what do you think? Should we play "Still Crazy" or my favorite, "Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades"? You do whatever you want. I think there, we kind of have to play all, "Still Crazy." All the, you know? I tell you what, though, man, "Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades" is just an amazing song. Um, well, we can do that some other time. All right, we gotta all right. Play the- we gotta right. play the one with the yeah, we'll play the one with the, with a line about Roxy. So okay, so we're gonna play out with uh, "Exploding Hearts" with "Still Crazy." But um, anyway, we just. We'll say goodbye, I guess. So, Roxy, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. We, yeah, really, we really appreciate it. I, I, I didn't even. I, I'm not even really that familiar with your work, but you're you were a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That's okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I had a lot of fun. I have and, all these and, things. And I anyone can... who's not familiar with what I do, why? I, I'm. I was. Uh, we were texting back and forth. Neil and I were texting back and forth earlier, and I'm always at the frame of mind. It's like, why should I assume anyone knows anything I've done? I'm just I walk around in the skin every single day. It's just like, so what? <laughs> well, I, I've listened. <laughs> you to know the, what you know. <laughs> I listened to the your second album. The Fat Record is on Spotify. That's and mm-hmm. so I've listened to that a couple times. I like it a lot. I just I just need to dig in a little further. And once it's inevitable that once I talk to somebody and like them, then I dig into their back catalog a little harder. So I got, got something it. to do this weekend. Yeah, the epoxies are a lot of <laughs> the epoxies are a lot of fun, and the full replica album is uh, oh, yes, is good. I, I like yeah. I like what I've heard a lot. So yeah, I'll dig yeah. in further. Yes. Midnight creeps, epoxies, and exploding hearts. 
Yeah, exploding hearts for sure. So, uh, so anyway, yes, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate your willingness to, to come on and just waste two hours with us. Um, it was awesome. Hey, it's a fun way to waste two hours. Right? It'll be over two hours. And thank you. With music. <laughs> no, I'm doing this like, okay, now did we want to talk about stuff for another four hours? Is there any other questions? <laughs> did I bum you out too much? Did I, you no, know, no, no. too much oh, off good. about like, okay, now I'm going to talk about depression. Now I'm going to talk about how women assess each other and um, how that's kind of awful. And <laughs> no, it was it was it was very it was very uh, very. Neil, you're gonna have to figure out a way to cut that. It'll be fine. Cut the like <laughs> the song in there. It'll be good. But no, hey, we really we're off now. We're done recording. But we really do no, we're not. I'm, st- I'm still recording. Oh, <laughs> yes, we we haven't said well, our, we haven't said our goodbyes yet. What are you talking about? I haven't done my sign off. <laughs> Neil, nobody cares about your sign off anymore. You can add it later. Everybody loves my sign off. All right, do your damn sign off. All right, all right. And well, let's just say goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Roxy. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you, Tom. Are you going to say goodbye to people, Tom? Smell you later, everybody. Good fun. Yeah, and uh, stay free and uh, keep a little mark in your heart. Goodbye, everybody.